Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoyk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Books, our final episode of the 2022 calendar year as we get ready to turn the page into January. We have a couple of guests lined up that we know people are going to enjoy getting to hear from. Uh, as our staff guest, we have Becca Trapp from the Twin Rivers branch. Our author guest is Margaret Peterson Haddix, who has written many, many books that I'm sure everyone out there has read at least a few of them. Uh, she does many series geared toward middle grade. We talked to her about her writing process and what she's written. Two fun interviews that we'll get to. Uh, and Anna, before we get into our interviews, I wanted to ask you something because we're winding up the year, the holidays came and went, but I hope that you could be someone that could be the voice of reason and settle a disagreement that we were having at the circulation desk recently. Because if I have a question that I can't answer, I know if I come to you, you'll know the right answer. A lot of pressure. The movie Die Hard, Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie? Definitely a Christmas movie. See, there you go. Definitely a Christmas movie. Right. There's a lot of people out there who don't think it's a Christmas movie. I think they need to sit down and watch it again. Then they can check it out from our collection and they will see it is, in fact, a Christmas movie. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. I might have to pull it out myself and watch it again. But it's, def- it's definitely a kind of uplifting holiday movie that everybody should watch. It's no root off the red nosed reindeer, but it does have its its good. Uh, it does have its good parts. And did you have a good holiday? Was your holiday season exciting for you? I did. We stuck around New Jersey. Norma, my mother, came to visit. It was lovely having her here. Now she's gone, and we are just gearing up for the new year. How about you? Do you have a good holiday? We had a good holiday. Many family members descended on New Jersey, and now they've returned to from whence they came. We, too, are getting ready for 2023. We're also getting ready for a couple of good interviews, the first of which is with Becca Trapp from our Twin Rivers branch. We'll be back with her in a jiffy. Welcome back, everybody, to this segment of Behind the Books, where we take time to talk with a staff member from the Mercer County Library System. Today, we have the great opportunity to talk with Becca Trapp, who is the Youth Services Library Associate out at our Twin Rivers branch. Becca, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Can you talk a little bit more about what your role at Twin Rivers entails? At Twin Rivers, we are one of the smallest branches. So I have a really unique uh, position where I am the head of the youth service department, and I'm also the only one in the youth service department. The youth service department ranges from babies all the way to young adults. I have baby time, story time, and then I have stuff for tweens and teens. So I would say programming is a big part of my role. Is that diversity in the age and and having the really young kids and then some of the older, you know, getting into like middle school age, is that something that you enjoy having that variety? I do, actually. I I find it really refreshing. Every encounter is different. And I think that I would 
potentially grow a little bored if I only worked with one age group. Um, but getting to go from board books to talking about a really complex either a juvenile slash middle grade book or even a young adult book really keeps things really fresh and interesting for me. So when you were in library school, was that what you were thinking that you wanted to go into youth services? Well, I have a little bit of a surprise for you. I'm still in library school. I actually uh, have a background in education and oh. I have a master's degree in English. I am currently enrolled at Rutgers and I'm working towards my master's of information with a concentration in library science. So I am technically a youth services library associate. Uh, at this time. And once I get my degree, I will be a librarian. So hold up. <laughs> so you're doing a full time youth services job at Twin River where you are. And I know that I know that the Twin River staff is wonderful and I'm, I know that they're helping, but you really are the coordinator for youth services at your branch. You're doing yes. all that programming, collection development, um, reference. I'm sure you're doing readers advisory and you're going to library school. Yes, I'm um, a bit of a, a nut doing all of it at the same time. Now, what I would say about having the job and being in library school at the same time is there's so much synergy with what I'm studying, what I'm doing at work. Right now, I am in a class for future e-service librarians while I am acting as a e-service librarian. And it all goes hand in hand. I think that more professions and more degrees should let allow people to learn on the job while they're studying in the program. And I think that is something that's really unique to librarianship, where this is a professional degree. And I think this is not only uh, coming from, you know, an educational background where librarians want to inform and instruct and help the uh, public, but going back to that helping, we're helpers. We, we really go above and beyond for our patrons. And I think that um, being in school while being in my first library job is really humbling and exciting at the same time. Plus, sleep is overrated. You don't really need to sleep. You can just exactly. What do you so you were already in education, so you had that background of teaching, but then you now you're coordinating it in with your, with the library, and you're getting to work with all different ages. It sounds like it's kind of all coming together, all the different things you'd like to do. It is. It, um, I love working with young adults and adults, but I was always really jealous about not getting to work with the really little kids. So I, when I was teaching, I was, you know, constantly researching different teaching techniques and different things going on in classrooms. And I'd get to read these really heartwarming stories about, you know, teachers of the little ones. And I'd be like, oh yeah, my college students don't do cute things like that. And nor did I really want them to. Uh, but um, now I get, just wildly heartwarming moments with uh, youth. I have 
I, I already have some regulars. I've been here, uh, I started at the beginning of July and now it's December. And um, I have some regular kids who come in and it's so rewarding. What was it for you then was your light bulb when you were like, you know what, I'm going to pursue, I'm going to leave the academia and I'm going to go towards the, the library degree. What was that for you? Bob and Anna, I'll tell you, I know precisely when I had the light bulb moment, it was the summer of 2021. And I had not been in a library since before the pandemic started. I went with my best friend and her son, who I consider my nephew. And at the time he was three. And we brought him to the Mercer County Library Lawrenceville branch. Just going into a library, I instantly felt my body relax, being around the books, being in a library setting, and getting to see his face, how exciting it was for him. It was, I was in such a good mood. And my best friend looked at me and she said, do you want to hear my presentation on why you should become a librarian? And I said, go for it. And she gave me a really good rundown of why she thought I should become a librarian, which was a career path that I had considered previously. And I just had this aha moment and I said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I talked to my husband. He was really supportive. Uh, we knew it would be hard, you know, going back to school while working, but we felt like it was worth it for me. So that summer 2021, I applied to grad school. I got in about a month into the program. I see this job opening at Twin Rivers and I think there's no way, there's no way, but I'm going to go for it because if I don't go for it, nothing will happen. I went for it and I still, you know, pinch myself, but I got it. It's really amazing. I went through years of not sure which direction to go in, but the second I went in this one, everything aligned. And I think that shows that this was meant to be. For whatever reason, this was meant to be. That's an awesome story. Thank and you. you uh, and you're and you obviously you're enjoying being in Twin Rivers and the people that you're working with and the and the patrons that you have coming in. I love working here. We have an amazing staff and they've helped me so much. There's a lot to learn. Again, this being my first library job, I always tell them, you know, I don't know. I don't know a lot of things, but they are both really good at teaching me and also encouraging me and empowering me. And it's been really awesome there. Whenever we get new people into the organization, I just think it's fresh eyes and they bring these new ideas. And I know you're bringing unique programs to the Twin Rivers branch. I mean, yes, you're doing story times and whatnot, but you really are. If you wouldn't mind talking about some of the programs that you're doing out there, just so we let our listeners know. Sure. So like you said, I'm doing some of the foundational programs that we expect from youth services like baby time and story time. I have also added in uh, Tween and Teen Crafts, which a lot of uh, the branches do. Um, something that we started this fall is LGBTQ uh, community events. So they're for teen teenagers, and it's really important 
uh, for me to be able to express that the library is a safe and welcoming place for everyone. But what I can say is we have a lot of programs that are happening this week for winter break. And I have a lot of exciting stuff in the works for 2023. Something I'm looking forward to doing is STEAM which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. I have had the opportunity to partner with librarians at other branches. Everyone that I have talked to at other branches has been so welcoming, especially at one of our closest uh, sister branches, Hickory Corner. I've gone over and I have observed some of their programs with Ms. Andrea and Ms. Grace, and they have been so, so welcoming. Well, we've been talking with Becca Trapp, who is the Youth Services Library Associate at the uh, Twin Rivers branch. And Becca, I just think you're doing fabulous, fabulous things, and we wish you nothing but luck. And thank you again for taking time today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Welcome back everyone to the next segment of Behind the Books. Thank you so much to Becca Trapp for taking the time to talk to us about her time out there at Twin Rivers. She seems to be enjoying herself and we love having her here working with us at the Mercer County Library System. And we're now into the part of the podcast where we talk to you about some of the programs that are coming up. And in addition to the standalone programs that we have, I want to remind everyone that we are in the throes of winter reading. And as I've been telling people here at the Hopewell branch, when I hand them the little flyer about winter reading, winter reading, it's like summer reading, only colder. Well, that's why the theme is warm up with a good book. And it's got cute little penguins. And Dana Benner, who is our social media and marketing, marketing coordinator, she's done a great job with the um, PR. And there are these yetis that I absolutely love. Every time I see one of those yetis, I smile. So if you haven't signed up yet, please do. We will send, we will put a link in our show notes so that you can sign up online. But I know branches are also uh, having patrons sign up in person at their branches as well. As well. But, you know, also, Bob, now that we're getting ready to go into January, and you and I've had our New Year's resolution conversations before. So, but what we're kind of, some of our programs in January, they're not necessarily resolutions, but they're more like living your best life, like trying something new and very generically living your best life. On Wednesday, January 4th at two in the afternoon, we have a virtual program, The Neat Way to Fitting in Movement. And this is something I definitely want to go to because I feel like I'm at my desk all the time and I, I want to she's going to give some kind of tips on how to work movement into your everyday. It doesn't have to be going to the gym. You don't have to get sweaty, et cetera. And that's going to be presented by Alex Del Calo, who is family and community health sciences, senior program coordinator for Salem County. And she, again, that is going to be Wednesday, January 4th at two in the afternoon. So living your best life. We're going to have many other programs coming up with that, but we also have in January, uh, Tuesday, January 10th, we have Picasso, his life, his art, and his women. Um, and this is going to be at seven o'clock in the evening. And again, that's Tuesday, January 10th. And that's going to be presented by uh, Jeannie Johnson, who is a docent at the Princeton University Art Museum. And she always is just a wealth of information. So again, that is Picasso, his life, his art, and his women on Tuesday, January 10th at seven in the evening. 
that program on the fourth about getting up and moving around seems like a good a good program. That's one of the things that I think people don't realize is that they don't necessarily have to, you know, go to the gym or ride their exercise bike every day. They just got to keep moving. Keep yourself moving and it'll help you with fitness. That's why I want to attend it because I want to figure out how I can move it more into my daily schedule, my daily life. With that in mind, Anna, we're going to move on to our next segment of the podcast, which is our author interview. And we had a great conversation with Margaret Peterson Haddix. And we'll be back with that interview with her before you know it. Margaret Peterson Haddix grew up on a farm near Washington Courthouse, Ohio. She graduated from Miami University of Ohio with degrees in English journalism, English creative writing, and history. Before her first book was published, she worked as a newspaper copy editor in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a newspaper reporter in Indianapolis, and a community college instructor and freelance writer in Danville, Illinois. She has written more than 40 books for kids and teens, including the Shadow Children series, the Missing series, the Children of Exile series, and the Greystone series. Her books have earned her New York Times bestseller status. Margaret, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, one of the things that I have read about you is that you were, well, your family really was um, just book lovers from the get-go. Yeah. Can you kind of tell me some authors that might have influenced you from when you were an early reader? Sure. Um, partly because I came from a family of big readers, I always had grandparents and parents kind of handing me books and brothers and, and even my sister, who's six years younger than me, like all of them would be handing me books like, you've got to read this. And so a lot of the books that I read as a kid were books that my mother or grandmother had really loved when they were children. So I got, you know, I got that full sample of the Louisa May Alcott books and Anne of Green Gables and um, Frances Hodgson Burnett, but, you know, like The Little Princess. I think I probably read that book 20 times and cried every single time because, I mean, I knew, I knew what was going to happen, but I still cried. And, um, and then, you know, I did read more modern writers as well. Um, I loved E.L. Konigsberg. I love Madeline Lingle, um, Zilpha Keatley Snyder, uh, Sylvia Ingdahl. Um, and, and then I had a grandfather who really loved science fiction. So he was handing me all of those kind of the, the classic, uh, Isaac Asimov and Robert Heinlein and let's see, Arthur C. Clarke and Ray Bradbury and, you know, kind of those, this was before my time, but the pulp writers of the 1950s and all those kind of, you know, a lot of, the, there were a lot of creative ideas at that time. There were, there was a lot of sexism and racism as well that, you know, like thinking back, I'm kind of horrified by all of that, but um, I, I absorbed a lot of that. And then my dad and my grandmother on the other side were really into history. So they were like always passing historical books at me. So I, I got immersed in a lot of different types of writing. Well, and that's kind of reflected in the, your actual writing, but your range is so diverse in what you write. So is that kind of come from the background of having read so many different things? Very. I, I think there's definitely a connection. I, I don't know that I understood it when I was starting out. And I, I think I was also lucky that from the beginning, the I was working my first, well, 41 of my first 42 books were all at 
the same publishing house and with the same editor. And I'm lucky because there was never a sense of, oh, Margaret, you can only write this type of book. And um, that was very freeing. And, and early on, it didn't really occur to me that it, it was possible to get stuck in a little box like that. And then, you know, talking to other writers, I do know people who have had that as an issue that I, I was kind of encouraged to write whatever I wanted to write and, and kind of to follow those ideas. And I, I feel very fortunate that it worked out that way. I, I've also been told that I've written a lot of books that are hard to classify. My very first book, uh, running out of time, the editor called me and said, you've been nominated for an Edgar for this book. And, and, you know, I was so green that I didn't even know what that was. And, you know, it's a book given by the, for, for mysteries. And I was kind of like, is that, a, is that book a mystery? I, I didn't, would you call that book a mystery? I don't know. And, and my editor's like, yeah, I was kind of surprised too, but, you know, keep it a secret. Like, don't, you know, let's not complain. It's a really good thing. I've been able to blur a lot of lines with genres and uh, I, I'm now working with a different editor and, and you know, I, I've been given a lot of freedom. So that's been very nice. Well, and you have the series too, where each series is a little bit different, but even within say the shadow children series, there's different, different stories and everything's even within your stories, you can be kind of diverse within yeah. a series. Yeah. And that was, um, I, I should probably give credit to my editor and my agent for how that particular series turned out because uh, when when I had written the first book on that series, Among the Hidden, I was not thinking of myself as a series writer. I was not thinking of that as being the first book in a series. I thought it was just a standalone. And then they the, the, they very much saw the possibility for turning it into a series. And they were like, you know, like, let's let's make that happen. And for a long time, I just didn't see it. I was like, yeah, I'm a standalone book writer. I'm not a series writer. I, I don't even know how I would do that. And they were, <laughs> there was a lot of handholding. I think they, in retrospect, we've kind of joked about it since then that they really had to be like, okay, Margaret, <laughs> just, just think about it. Just try to think about it. And um, so one of the ideas, th there were all sorts of ideas kind of bouncing around that some of the things that I was like, well, maybe I could do it this way, I'm, maybe. And then they were like, well, maybe you could do it this way. And so they, at one point had suggested, well, maybe you would want to have it be, you know, it could be a series of 20, 30 books. And each book is about a character who's an illegal third child in a different way. And I liked that idea. I liked aspects of that idea. I liked being able to look at how the experience would be different based on where these kids were um, and what their family structure was like and you know, all sorts of things that go into kids having different lives. And I, I liked that idea, but it was gonna be so disconnected that I wanted to do it more that there was there was a through line, that there was a connection ultimately, ultimately between all of the kids. Well, now that brings me to your experience with um, the 39 Clues series, which is you wrote the 10th book in that series. Is that correct? And for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with the 39 Clues, this is a series of adventure novels. And it's written by a collaboration of authors like Rick Reardon, I believe, wrote the first one. Um, Gordon Corman wrote it, wrote it. And the characters, if I remember correctly, stay the same. Yeah. But yeah. then you come in and you're writing a series. What were the challenges with that? And was that just something that really did kind of take hold of you and you really was a whole new experience? Yeah, it was a 
it was a very different experience to have. And um, I, I think that was that was one of those examples of uh, what is it an improv? You're supposed to say yes to things that it's like, you know, like whatever. Somebody throws a crazy idea and you're like, sure, I'll run with it. <laughs> and that's kind of what it felt like that uh, my my agent had approached me and said that they they were interested in seeing if I would be part of that. And um, Scholastic, the publisher, was the one that came up with the idea in the first place. And they uh, arranged with Rick Riordan that he did the very first book. And th their timing was very good because he was a, a big name, but he was not yet a, you know, like giant <laughs> take over the universe type name at that point. So they, they really timed that very well, that he did the first book in the series, The Maze of Bones. And then he kind of, they, they had him also do uh, like, one or two paragraph brief sketchy outlines for the next nine books. And so it was a situation where they gave me the country that they wanted my book to take place in because it's this round the world clue hunt. And each book in the series also has connections to at least one historic person from that area. And so they said the 10th book is going to be set in England and or Ireland. And um, the connection is going to be to William Shakespeare. And, and it was kind of like, well, how can I say no to that? That sounds fun. So it was, it, it was tremendous fun. And, and I, of course, decided that to really do it justice, I would have to travel to England and would have to go to all the William Shakespeare sites in Stratford-upon-Avon and um, the Globe Reproduction Theater in London. And, um, and I took my husband and kids with me and my kids at that point were in middle school. So, it, it, I mean, they really deserve credit because we'd walk into like the Globe Theater and I'd be like, okay, how do you think you would scale the building? And you know, it's it's a pretty tall building. Like how how would you get to the top? And then how would you get down to the stage from the outside? And and like how many grappling hooks would you need? And so my poor kids, then when we were in Stratford upon Avon, uh Shakespeare's tomb is inside a church building. And um, so in the book, I have the kids break into the church building and then they have to get something out of his tomb. And um, because there's a creepy poem on his, uh, on the actual gravestone, basically saying, if you break into my, if you disturb my bones, you will be cursed. I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. So of course I, I have the kids do that. And um, so I had to go back with my daughter after the church was closed at night. Um, cause I, I wanted to be like, well, how would they break in? And so my daughter and I walk up and there are these huge chains holding the door together. And I'm like shaking the chains and there are big signs on the door about, uh, you know, like people not breaking in that kind of thing. And my daughter's like, mom, somebody's going to call the cops on us. <laughs> and, and nobody did. I mean, we were fine, but it's all was, research, dear. <laughs> it was research. I, you know, and, and I'm thinking about it that hopefully if I really was trying to break in, I would not have been so obvious about it. So the cameras that were watching me, they were like, okay, this is just another dumb tourist. It's not, not anything well, to worry about. Not only does that sound like a lot of fun, but I would imagine that doing something like that's also pretty challenging, right? Stepping into a series where there've been nine other voices and nine other yeah. people taking a look at it. It was, it was definitely a huge challenge and, and it was, Partly, I felt such a responsibility to the other authors. And by the time I was writing my book, there was also already 
pretty sizable following for the 39 crew series. And so I did not want to let the kids down. I did not want to let the other authors down. I did not want to let the the publisher down. And I knew like dealing with the editors who were working on that series, they were really, really working hard. And, and, you know, there was the whole thing with the, the trading cards and the online presence. I mean, they, they had really put together a full package and I didn't want to let anybody down. It was <laughs> the thing that was most difficult. Part of the idea of having a variety of authors do the series was that then the books could come out really fast. And that meant that the seventh, eighth, and ninth books were not finished at the point that I needed to be writing the 10th book. So, <laughs> so it was very complicated from that angle. And, and there was also like, we needed to be consistent with the characters that they had to be, you know, like you couldn't have someone who was really athletic and suddenly make them a klutz. I mean, we they they very much wanted to make sure, and the the editor and the assistant editor who were assigned to that series, they did a good job of going through and being like, okay, like you've had the character do something that's not consistent, you need to rewrite that. Um, that that they did a great job making sure that happened. I was a little bit concerned initially when I was agreeing to it that there would be kind of the idea that. I would need to make my writing like Rick Riordan's or like Gordon Corman's or like Linda Sue Park, who did the book right before me. And um, they were like, no, 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 no. We, we want you each to have your individual writing style. And, and that's great. Like we, we're not asking you to be a different type of writer, but, you know, be consistent in how you deal with the characters. And, and their idea too was by having so many different authors I, you know, hopefully the kids would read it and then be like, oh, I really like this book. Who wrote that? And then they would go and read other books by that author. Well, I have to tell you as librarians that I feel it's important to let you know that I, I as a librarian, I'm so appreciative for authors like you who write for that middle grade um, age, because that's tends to be an age where kids either start to drop off reading or, um, they're tr having trouble finding things that they like to read. And it's you, um, your books, it's like you can, you give that, you suggest it to a reader and you see their eyes light up. And then I have this whole array to be able to also provide after that. So just as a librarian, I appreciate your role and what you're providing for our future, our readers and our future readers out there. Well, thank you. That is, uh, reading is something that I love so much. I really do want to be able to pass it along to kids. and. Um, it is sad. I, I have seen that, that kids are excited about reading when they're first learning how to do it, yep. but they need to be encouraged along the way. And each step of the way, it, it, you know, it's, they, they need to keep enjoying it, that it, we, we can't make it work for them. We've been talking with Margaret Peterson Haddix about her writing. Thank you so much for taking time today. And of course, we look forward to what you will be publishing in the future. And we wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up this episode of Behind the Books. Thanks so much to Margaret Peterson Haddix for taking the time to talk to us about her writing, all of her series, as well as uh, writing for the 39 Clues series. 
And I think, Anna, that was interesting when you brought that up and talked to her about that, because she, she really seemed to enjoy talking to us about the one book that she wrote in that series. And that's one of those series that I've seen forever, I've, but I've never actually read it myself. So I think I'm going to go back and read the 39 clues from beginning to end. But just that whole process, I found very intriguing. I had a nephew who I remember he loved the 39 clues and it was when it first started. So Rick Reardon wrote the first one, Maze of Bones. And I just remember like it. And that's when I saw him like, this has a different author every time. And I couldn't even imagine that process. So that was interesting talking to her about that. And I really loved her background, just that she had this creative writing, history, journalism background. It was just like this perfect recipe for what she's doing. I, I truly believe she's one of those authors that when you give her to a kid, like it kind of ignites their reading and it, it pushes it forward. Which was something we talked with her about of keeping kids interested in reading after that initial excitement about reading and also talking to Becca Trapp and finding out her path to the library and I loved her story about how she was at the library with her friend and her friend's child and how she just lit up being in the library. And her friend said, you should be a librarian. And voila, she's a librarian. She is such a little firecracker. <laughs> she really is. Just, um, I love that she's, I love what she's bringing to Twin Rivers. And just, I always appreciate when we have new staff, just because it's new eyes, it's fresh ideas. Um, and she just sounds like she's implementing a lot of great stuff at the Twin Rivers branch. So again, she's someone who I feel very lucky that as part of the Mercer County Library System, and I just foresee great things that she'll be doing. Well, Anna, this episode wraps up our 2022 episode year. I hope you have a great last few days of 2022. Hope our listeners find nothing but good things in 2023. And we'll be back for another year of providing you with wonderful guests from our library system. And we already have some great authors lined up for 2023, which we think people will enjoy getting a chance to hear. Once again, we want to thank Margaret Peterson Haddix, as well as Becca Trapp from the Twin Rivers branch for taking time to talk with us today. And Bob, I will see you next year. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasik. Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.